1: Welcome to the Footy with Dad podcast, where Julian and his son Jake will be discussing their weekly footy experiences together and their love of the game. Get ready for discussion, arguing, laughing and crying about all things football.
0: Welcome to another episode of Footy with Dad. Well, it started with Jake and I going to Tottenham the wolves yesterday morning at 12 30 and uh, then it uh, continued in the evening with arsenal which i must be honest a great performance at bournemouth winning 3-0 and then what a set of results today we had leeds winning 3-0 at home against chelsea and then the game that's just finished now newcastle three manchester city three um, and that was really exciting jake though we started off uh we went to tottenham wolves yesterday what were your thoughts
2: on the game? Well, um, of course, going into it, it's not really a fixture that Spurs normally do that well in. I think I think we've lost four out of the last seven games against Wolves. So, you know, the fixture didn't really favour us, if you'd like. 12.30 as well. I'm not a fan of these early kickoffs on a Saturday morning. But look, it wasn't the prettiest performance, but we managed to get through it. Yeah, it was a tough first half. Um, I can't really remember too many
0: chances apart from on the stroke of half time, Kane hit the bar with a sort of looping header, and we really hoped that Conte would shake them up during half time. And I think they did come out in, in the in the second half with a a little bit more energy. Um, I wouldn't go as far as saying it was a game of two halves, but they did show a bit more content. But uh, the last twenty minutes, it was horrible, wasn't it? <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean, look. I said to you uh, last night, it seemed a bit like Burnley towards the end of last season. I mean, you were a little bit unsure as to why, because obviously it's only three games into the season. But I don't know. It really feels like it. really feels like everything's on the line, really, for Spurs. I and mean, you know, we really need to start off well, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, as you saw, sort of alluded to, these twelve thirty kickoffs are are horrible. The fans are, you know, literally just got out of bed. I didn't think the fans were too bad yesterday from where we were sitting. But it's not the same as, you know, later on or even evening kickoffs. Um, I did feel it was a little bit flat. I think the fans did as much as they could to get the players going. But I don't think, if I'm honest, the players did enough to get the fans going. But um, what's interesting is, though, we, we scored on the 64th minute and it was another set piece.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we brought in then we bring in a um a set piece specialist. Um and you know in, in pre season we scored quite a couple times uh, from set pieces and again yesterday and of course it was the main man Harry Kane. He is the goat. I mean, that's
0: 185 Premier League goals. That was his 250th goal in total for Spurs. Just, just remarkable. I mean, he's got—he's obviously got Alan Shearer in his sights. He's got seventy-five more
2: goals that he needs to get to 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 get that. Do you think he's going to do it? I mean, look, he's way seventy-five away. So what—that's what twenty-five per season for the next three seasons. He's twenty-nine though. Um, yeah, I think I'm... he's going
0: to do it. I think he's going to do it, and you know, nothing would make me happier if he gets the Premier League scoring record as a Tottenham player he can do it he's it will be 32 33 realistically when he gets that record he should still be black playing, hopefully injury uh permitting and i think you know if he's playing to 34 i i, I think hopefully he'll, he'll get that record and what an achievement but yesterday's goal already was a a, a world record he is now the highest goal scorer at one Premier League club overtaking
2: Aguero. Phenomenal feat. Yeah, no, absolutely incredible. I mean that we know he's he we know he's an incredible striker, but what a what a turn of events, isn't it, from last summer when it looked like we were never going to see him at the lane again. And now he seems seems happy as ever and he's, you know, going and trying to smash all the records.
0: Yeah, there's even, you know, certain talk on, on you know, well-known journalists or, or, on Twitter that are, you know, not saying they're in talks, but there, there are certainly hints or rumours, I should say, that he could be open to signing a new contract. And I think if he does sign a contract, I think he will end his career at Spurs. He's 29, City have now got Haaland. He obviously can see the Premier League record in, in his sights. I don't know where else he's going to go. I don't think because of his family, I can't really see him going abroad. You can never say never, obviously. But I think to you know get to the age that he's had, not to now try and get the Premier League record. I can't see him going to Chelsea. Um I can't see him going to city now united are in a bit of a mess so yeah long may it long may it continue i mean we've seen him well we i remember i've got a photo with with you in the tottenham car park going back to 2014 i remember you saying to me you know who is he dad and i said oh don't worry you know you never know one day he he might be a, a big name and uh sure enough that has has turned out to be be true but in tight games like against wolves and I said last week uh, on the episode, they they don't score many wolves, but they also don't concede. And in tight games, you you just need that one moment, and you know who better to do it than Harry Kane.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, it was like like we said, we knew it was going to be a tough game, and in those sort of games, when you don't have that many clear cut chances, you need that like, you need to be able to take those chances and. we were fortunate that our main big chance fell to our best player who's brilliant at putting them away yeah I mean you know he he had sort
0: of you know I don't think he had the best of games I don't think Son had the best of games but all, all he needs is that sort of one one opportunity being in the right place at the right time anticipating the flick on and 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 there he was so As i said the last 20 minutes was nerve-wracking but they didn't really trouble hugo uh too much from memory it it was nervous because we know what spurs are capable of doing um last few moments of a game but i think if we look back on the game now as a whole they didn't really trouble us and i i I think you know we saw it out quite well but uh living through it not knowing that we had got over the line was was certainly nerve-wracking It was a little bit worried. The news before the game, obviously Romero out injured, so Sanchez came in. But uh, what did you think of Sanchez's performance?
2: Um, Yeah, I think he did all right. I don't think you know. I think he did what he needed to do. He didn't. He didn't stand out, which I think for a centre back is usually quite good. Um, But no, I have no complaints. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a solid performance by Sanchez. We haven't conceded a goal while Sanchez has been on the field
0: for seven and a half hours now. So that, that's pretty impressive and, and full credit to him. He played, I think the first three games of last season and uh, obviously Romero missed, I think the last three, three games, four games of, of last season. And yeah. um, we, we, we kept uh, clean sheets. So, uh, yeah, I thought he did okay. As you say, you know, he didn't really do do too much wrong. Um you know, I was disappointed with Son. I, th- I think we both were. I don't think uh, he had a great, great performance. And I think the question now has to be asked, is it time for Charlison to replace him?
2: <sighs> uh, first of all, I think that's a tough ask for Richarlison as well to come in. And, you know, we're talking about golden boot winner from last season. Yeah, but
0: you say that we, we, we've been crying out for a stronger squad and we, we don't, we've We've been guilty of keep on playing players even if they're out of form in the past. We sign equivalent to a 60 million pound player and and that's what a good strong squad is for if someone doesn't perform and it wasn't just on yesterday's performance he's he's been poor you know the last you know two or three games really i I would start him against Forrest. I think that's not to say when they're playing to their best capabilities, I think Son is a better player than Richarlison. But give him a rest, maybe give him a kick up the backside by, by putting him on the bench. And Richarlison, I think, I wouldn't say he changed the game when he came on yesterday, but like the game against Chelsea, he
2: certainly adds a lot more energy to our performance, doesn't he? Yeah, no, I thought, you know, yesterday against Chelsea, Um, sorry, yesterday against Wolves and the game against Chelsea, both, I think he's made an impact, not necessarily on what's happened in the game, but I think you know against Chelsea, I thought he made you know he paced the game up a bit. We, we liked his energy that he brought to the game um, and just you know just sped the tempo up a bit. And even yesterday, again yesterday, you know he had a few chances. He could have scored a couple of goals yesterday. He went on a lovely run, didn't he? Yeah, exactly. He went on that lovely he just ran run,
0: ran and ran and ran at their defense, and uh, yeah. We- it was a shame you couldn't get a goal at the end of that. Yeah, I, th- I think a goal would would do him the world of good. But listen, I'm, I'm not slagging off Son. I, I love Son. You know I do. Uh, but I just think he has been a little bit off, off colour, really, the last couple of... Uh, games and you know start Char- over Richardson keeps on on the bench and you know if we need him bring him on with 20 minutes 30 minutes i think having five subs this season makes a big difference you can rotate the squad a bit more and it's not really dropping them you're just using the squad to its capabilities and you don't have to wait for the last five minutes you know you've got five subs so you, you can bring someone on as early as the you know 60th minutes and uh I think Richardson has done enough the last couple
2: of games to
0: uh, to, to warrant maybe a starting place against Forest.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, Son. I don't think he's had the greatest start to the season, and I'm sure he'll admit that himself. But do you not think, say, Richardson was to come in against Nottingham Forest and have a bad game, and the result doesn't go our way, do you think people would maybe try and point the finger at Conte as to why Son's not starting? I think if you're laying out 60
0: million pounds for a player um i think you've got to give him opportunities i i think it would be yeah a little bit harsh to drop son and you know don't get me wrong i i i, I love son but we've got uh we've got forest on the sunday we've then got west ham a few days later you're gonna to have to use the squad and you know you can't play the same 11 week in week out and i i think i would like you know, I still want Son involved against Forest. Don't get me wrong, but uh put it this way: I wouldn't be totally gutted if Son was on the bench and Richardson started. Certainly not.
2: Yeah, I mean, I mean that's a fair point for me. Well, and you as well. I just know what Son's capable of. You know, just cutting in on his right foot and just curling one into the top bins and. You know, I I worry not that Richardson's not capable of doing that. We've seen that he is, Um, but for me, it's hard to see. You know, the quality that Son Son has sitting on the bench.
0: I think. Listen, if you're, as I said, if if you've got a sixty million pound player on on the bench you've got to bring them on. It, it, it shows ruthlessness. And, you know, we, we've got to, if you want to be a top, top team, you've got to show a bit of ruthlessness. It, it, it shows, you know, you get another five, 10% out of the players. If the players know that if they don't perform for two or three games, that they're going to be on the bench, then, then you've got to bring these players on because otherwise if they still think, you know, they can have five or six, you know, quiet games, What's the point of, you know, having a strong squad? We've got to have a winning mentality. You've got to perform week in, week out. We want to be challenging for the league. And yes I agree it will be harsh but it's a squad game they're all going to get lots of minutes and I think I I just personally think Richardson deserves now uh to start that's not to say you know I want him to start every game ahead of Son, but you know let's see how it goes listen no one knows what Conte's thoughts are he sees them in training um every day so we'll, we'll see what sort of team he picks for the Forest um now I do have an issue with you not so much with Son and Richardson but you know we we had a few arguments yesterday about Emerson. You, yeah. Listen, don't get me wrong, I don't think he's the finished article. I don't you know, I agree going forward he is poor, but you're so so negative. Every time he gets the ball, you're just like, oh, he's not going to do anything. Goal kick this. You know, and fine, slag off a player after the game, but you know, I know you're probably going to say, Oh, he can't hear me, but I just think negative vibes, think positively during the 90 minutes. He's not great at going forward. But in fairness to him, he wasn't bought brought as a as a wing back. He, he is a good fullback. His defending, I think, is very good. You know, he he doesn't listen, he's got a mistake in him, you know, a, a bit like Aurier did, but I think defensively he's very solid and Yes, we can have a go at him for not getting in forward positions, but I I think you're very, very harsh on him. I think he has done well, um, you know, recent games. Conte certainly has picked him every game uh, this season, picked him, you know, every game, well, after Doherty got injured against Villa, uh, started him. And I just think, you know, lay off him. (laughs) I I know he can't hear you, but criticise him after the game. But... I just think if you, you know, if you're willing someone not to do well, superstition tells me he probably isn't going to do well. Give him a bit more encouragement, Jake.
2: Well, look, I'm not obviously. I'm, obviously, I wish Emerson play, you know, gave, you know, played had a ten out of ten performance week in week out. But like, he's like, he's never really been a player that shone out to me. I'm not his biggest fan, and but are you telling me, you know, when he's you know when he's about to whip a ball into the box does that really fill you with any excitement no listen I I agree Uh, he hasn't got the best of crosses on him but
0: I think until and until we know there's a better you know I know we've got Spence you know you know waiting in the wings but he, he needs to come up to Conte's speed you know you know learn what Conte wants from him you know, he's only ever played in the championship. He's, he. you know, the Premier League is a big step up. And, you know, just, but I, I know he's not the finished article. I know his crossing is frustrating, but he is. a. It's like blaming, you know, playing a midfielder up front and expecting him to score 20, 25 goals. It's unfair. You know, he's a good, solid defender. He defends well. He's not great going forward, I agree. But it's just every time he gets the ball you're on his back stop it
2: <laughs> <laughs> well no no i well look like you said he's a good defender but and i understand that he's not naturally a wing back i think if if we played him in a back four i think he would do very well and i, I i'm not sure if we would need to re- replace him but as a wing back 50 of your job is to attack and he i'm sorry but he just does not fill me with any confidence that he's going to do anything I know I know I know we've put a few good crosses here and there but you look at you know other wing backs like James and uh Trent for Liverpool they put in blinding crosses and we've got Emerson who you know just like Ericsson when he was there struggles to beat the first man okay listen we're we're agree to disagree I think
0: is the <laughs> nicest way to to end that little bit debate so this week we saw you know potentially the uh, the exit of of two two Spurs players, um, well, one current player, one one former player. The first Ndembélé, which is frustrating because the boy has got so much talent, but his commitment and desire to succeed is really really poor. I mean, he's got ten goals in ninety one appearances, I think, uh, during his time at Spurs, which for the amount of talent he's got. It's just such a waste and i remember when we signed him i was so excited and we saw glimpses like his goal against sheffield united um his goal against uh newcastle it's just so frustrating that he hasn't got the temperament or commitment to to want to work hard week in week out and and that's all all the good players all the world-class players they don't do it one in four one in five they do it every week like Harry Kane, he works, he works hard. He works during, hard during the week at the training pitch. And you just don't see that with Vendambele. He he went out on loan. He, he didn't pull up any trees. And I just think, you know, listen, I hope he does well. I hope he pulls his socks up. But I'm really frustrated that it, it didn't turn out because he's the sort of creative midfielder that we're
2: crying out for. Yeah, I mean, look, Going back to what you said a few minutes ago, I was over the moon. I remember that day um, when we signed him and yeah, I was really excited. I thought at the time it's, you know, what we needed, but unfortunately what we've seen from him on the pitch, like with his football talent, you know, I have no doubts that he is a really, really talented player, but for me, his attitude and his work ethic is what really lets him down yeah
0: no so and then the other player which isn't a current player but it looks like last week Deli Ali is going to end up in Turkey and to me that is he's only 26 you know when he first joined in his first two years he won PFA player of the year he was named in the PFA team of the year he he scored I think he was the fastest uh, he was the fastest player to score 20 Premier League goals, beating Skulls, Beckham, Lampard and Gerrard. And it just felt, you know, and that is a hell of a company to beat. He he just was a box to box. He he scored so. I mean, that goal he scored against Crystal, Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. I remember the two headers he scored at White Hart Lane against Chelsea. We, we were at Stamford Bridge when uh, he scored those two goals when we won 3-1 in your first visit to the bridge. Um, he scored against Real Madrid at Wembley in the Champions League. He scored against Man U in the, I think, FA Cup semi-final at Wembley. And it's just, he was, something's obviously happened and uh, off the pitch that he's just, a bit like Ndambelle. He he's, he's fallen out of love with football, it seems. And it's just so sad that you hoped when he signed for Everton only in January and he he couldn't even get into a poor Everton side let's be honest it's a poor Everton side and they're not heartbroken that he's on his way out it's a shame um I loved him he's only 26 I wish he could recover his form but I don't think he will now I just think some some, something has switched
2: inside his head and uh it's just such a shame yeah, no, I remember watching him, you know, last, I think, last two seasons at the old White Hart Lane, and he was absolutely incredible. Like you say, he won PFA, Young Player of the Year, whatever. He was an incredible, talented, young, up-and-coming footballer, and it's a shame. It, it seems like he just peaked too early, and he couldn't really, he couldn't really you know, stay on that kind of form. You know, it wasn't very sustainable for him, Um And now to see that at only 26 years old, he's heading off to Turkey after a move to Everton, like you said, who have a very, very poor squad, or they had, you know, even a poorer squad last season, and he still struggled to get in that team. Yeah, and I think it's really sad for me. You know, when I started watching football, he was one of the, I wouldn't say he was like one of the best players I've ever watched, but he was really, really talented. And to see him you know go to turkey at only 26 years old is a real big shame yeah no
0: i agree but listen i hope he, his career does pick up um he, he was wonderful for you know two or three years but he's just just seems to have lost his way totally so this week after the chelsea game there's been a lot of talk about the uh aggressive handshake uh that tukul gave conte and um i think friday evening we got the news that uh Tuchel was going to get uh, a one-game ban, but uh, Conte wasn't. And without wearing my Tottenham spectacles, (laughs) I think that was a right decision. And I'm still really a bit puzzled to see why Conte's got a £15,000 fine. You know, he shook his hand and it was Conte that didn't let go and spun him around. But, uh, you know, it annoys the Chelsea fans, which is quite amusing. But what really annoyed me more than it anything is Mike Dean has come out uh, with comments that in hindsight he should have instructed the referee to go and have a look at the TV monitor that's just bizarre I mean I don't I don't disagree personally I think it was a red card you know if if pulling someone's hair and pulling them down to the ground isn't violent conduct I'm, I'm not sure what is I've, I've got no problem if he was sent off to be honest but to have a you know a former referee who is now on VAR to come out and just comment on isolated incidents you know why doesn't he comment about you know the incident I think in the ninth minute when Romero got got uh stamped on or, or just above his knee or below his knee you know there are so many incidences that happen not just in the Chelsea Spurs game but in every Premier League game and unless you're going to get bar coming out and going public on every single situation why just come out and highlight one 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 uh incident it's just you know which against spurs which it's just totally unfair either you comment publicly about everything or or nothing and obviously you can't comment about everything and you'd be the column would be four or five pages long but uh i couldn't really understand um i couldn't really understand you know why he he, why he did that so um we won we went top which was nice for a couple of hours um and then arsenal played well very well we watched the bournemouth game and uh i've got got to be honest that that they were very impressive um and fully deserved to win i think bournemouth are going to struggle struggle this season what were your quick thoughts on that
2: um Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, Arsenal, they do look good. I'm not taking anything away from them, but we do have to remember that they have had a really easy run with these fixtures. I think you were telling me uh, earlier this afternoon that there was like a league table out of the, you know, like the easiest fixtures and Arsenal were top. And it shows, look, uh, first game of the season, they played Palace. Then they played Leicester, who we know have been very poor as of late. And then they played Bournemouth and yeah I mean look, I expected Arsenal to win two or three or maybe even four no very comfortably yesterday
0: yeah and then we had today we had Chelsea that lost surprisingly 3-0 at Leeds and then we had the game that we've just seen Newcastle City which was very entertaining and then tomorrow night we've got uh the the big Man United v Liverpool game which uh I know the, the two of us are going to watch together and, um, you know, that, that, that's going to be an interesting game. However poor United have been, if Liverpool win, they go above. Um, sorry, if United win, they go above Liverpool.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: crazy. Um, and then next week, you know, we're hopefully going to Forest. You, you particularly want to go to Forest. Why is that?
2: Yeah, I mean, Forest, it's the only Premier League ground I haven't been to yet um of course newly promoted they haven't been in the premier league in my lifetime so look, I've been to 19 out of the 20 grounds so going to forest on the weekend and hopefully seeing a win would just complete the list it would be lovely
0: oh, no definitely I just hope it's I hope it's better than my last visit uh to to the city ground which was back in 19 1996 I believe um snow was predicted my my parents didn't want me to go i said no it'd be no problem we, we left london about half past five we we got it uh, came off the motorway and it started snowing and by the time we got to the ground it was really heavy snow the game started after about seven minutes they brought out the orange ball um, and after a quarter of an hour they, they postponed the game so um we only had 15 minutes of the game and it took us Took us seven hours to get home uh, from Nottingham, which which was mad. Um, my parents were furious. I remember getting home at like oh, I don't know three o'clock in the morning. But uh, hopefully next week uh, we'll we'll have a better visit, and uh,
2: hopefully we'll we'll get the uh, the three points. Yeah, fingers crossed. Let's hope so. On Footy
0: with Dad, we like to talk to dads of all clubs that enjoy the emotional bond of going to football matches with their kids. I was therefore delighted to be able to speak previously to former Tottenham and England star Gary Stevens about his memories of going to football as a child with his father. So, you know, my dad played a huge part in my, you know, my footballing life um, without doubt and one of those huge areas was that
1: you know, he used to take me to, to watch games of football um, when, before we left um, Hillingdon um, in London or Middlesex anyway um, he used to take me on a Saturday to watch a game of football and that was because he was playing in it, he was playing for Slough Town or Hillingdon Borough or Hayes one of those clubs um, and then when we moved to Suffolk, when I was about six years of age um You know, he would take me to different games at at different times, um, which slowly built up to taking me to see the nearest professional club, which um, was Ipswich Town Football Club, um, which at the time was a terrific club, which had always been a fantastic club, but, you know, under Bobby Robson. um, And it it was a whole... Not a day out or such, because it probably took us about an hour to, to drive from Berries and Edmonds to Ipswich. But you know, we parked on the sort of outskirts of town, where you know there was loads of other football people parking their cars, um, and then we'd have the ten or twelve minute walk down to Portman Road, and I would have my wooden box that I used to stand on because we were on the terracing <laughs> so that gave me an extra sort of twelve or eighteen inches so I could see the game. <laughs> Lovely. yeah. yeah. Um, and most most of the time it was just dad and myself. Sometimes there was a, a friend of Dad's and, and it, who was his name was Peter Thurl um, and one of Peter's sons, either Simon or Mark, sometimes both of them. So so there was anything between Dad and me and two dads and a total of three sons between the two dads would go and watch. Um, you know, we'd go, one week we'd go maybe in my dad's car, the next week we'd go in um, Peter's car, um, dependent upon the numbers and everything. And, you know, just the excitement of walking down the road, I'm holding my dad's hand and he would always carry this, this wooden box that we, you know, what I stood on on the terracing so I could see um and you know often we would queue up at the turnstiles um you know because there was big queues to get in and we always stood kind of in the on the northeast corner it was of of portman road um where it it gave me a really good view sort of diagonally across the pitch um you know if you stood on the halfway line you know you you know you're, unless you're tall you yeah, to see so it sure. kind of gave me almost an uninterrupted view of the pitch from that corner flag down diagonally across the pitch um, and then you know obviously the, the excitement of the game the, the results the good the bad um, you know the some of the songs that were sung by the supporters I can always remember going out at Christmas time one year Newcastle would play at, at Ipswich and the Newcastle fans who I always thought were really quite entertaining and yeah. um, they were singing Jingle Bells, but obviously Jingle Bells, Jingle Bells, Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to see Newcastle win away! Yeah, <laughs> that was you yeah, pretty standard, I don't know, but it's the first time I'd ever heard that one.
0: And, and how old were you? You were s- six, were you? Around the oh, we, swing. Of- well, we we moved
1: to Suffolk when I was six. I think it was probably you know I was probably about eight years of age before we started to go to, to Portman Road. Um round about that you
0: know obviously it's a bit of a blur no sure and were, were you a nipswich fan at that stage because of your dad or did did your dad taking you make you become an nipswich fan uh, well, well my dad was born in chelsea so my dad was a big chelsea fan so as a kid i you know my the team i followed was, was chelsea to be honest and mm. the dream was to play for chelsea in england Right, (laughs) I tell I tell people I played for Spurs in England and did even better than I was hoping to do. (laughs) Good answer. (laughs) Um, So um, you know, but but Ipswich
1: became a a club that you know I followed and I liked and I wanted to do well. And and, you know, under Bobby Robson, they generally did do quite well. Um, And obviously, we're going to school in Suffolk and then playing for West Suffolk Schools and then. Suffolk schools, and then that kind of led into, you know, Thursday night coaching sessions at Ipswich Town Football Club. Um, So, you know, I I was strongly linked with the club and I knew a lot about the club and everything. And signed Schoolboy forms there when I was 14 and was hoping to get an apprenticeship but didn't. Um, But no, and and then at the end of the game, you know, there was always like a, a real kind of just the scrum getting out of the place, and you know, quite often I can remember, you know, leaving the stadium but my feet barely on the floor you know, because we're all kind of cramped in. And you know, it, it, health and safety, I, I don't think was particularly paramount in those days. And you know, they crammed them in on the terracing and everything. I can remember again, you know, on the big games when you know, say Liverpool were playing there, or. Spurs are playing there I remember watching my England play for Spurs there on a, on, certainly on one occasion um, and you know there's an there's a attempt at goal and the whole crowd would sway forward and you know you'd go down about three steps and you'd have to come back and I'd have to find the box to stand on again and, uh, and, and then as we left the stadium we, the plan was that we could if we really paced it out we could get back to the car and get the radio on five o'clock to get sports, sports football, football and, yeah. and the final scores. Now quite often these days the game doesn't even end by five o'clock does it? Yeah, no. You know, the game used to kick off at three and it used to finish by at the very latest quarter to five. Yeah. Half, half time was like seven or eight minutes. Yeah. That was all. Yeah. Um, And and again, you know, walking back to the car and kind of discussing the game and then listening to the results and then driving back the the hour, best part of an hour home and talking about the game and then the other results and who had won and who had lost and what the league table looked like. And it was just a, you know, just a a complete um, escape from normal life to yeah. some extent, I can yeah. almost say. Yeah, no, I can relate to that. <laughs> and Yeah, you know, we used to get home and, you know, mum and my sister would, you know, ask if we'd had a great time and it would have been brilliant, you know. I, I didn't even know why they were even bothering asking <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'd, I'd spent, you know, the well, from probably something like about one o'clock with the dad in the car to six o'clock when we got home
2: um, and it all been about and around and watching football. Sports Social Podcast Network.